Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Corkscrews and Contracts. I'm Jennifer Hamrick, and we are doing a special house flipping episode today. And the special guest is none other than my co-host, Wyatt Wallace. Hey, hey, I'm so stoked about bringing you guys the knowledge you need to know to get into the business in a big and successful way. So thank you, Jennifer, for the opportunity to do so. Thank you for being in the spotlight this week, Wyatt. (laughs) My pleasure. Wyatt is an entrepreneur and investor in multifamily rentals and fix and flips. His company, Foster Jones LLC, currently owns 28 rental and commercial doors and other investment properties in multiple states. Prior to real estate, Wyatt was an actor in Los Angeles, California, and owner of Sumatra Media, a web audio production house that focused on supporting distant learning companies. So Wyatt, I know you have a passion for flipping. I see it and hear it every day from you. So what is, just to kind of jump on in, because they've heard about where you're from and how you got here, how you got a house flipping from our first episode. Right. So just to kind of jump on in, what is the number one thing that you think people need to know about house flipping? Excellent question. I think the most important thing that they need to know is to use what they've already got skill-wise when flipping houses. So wherever you came from, whatever your background, that's important when it comes to actually making a house. And it sounds kind of weird because you see what other people are doing in the neighborhood or maybe on television and you go, I want to do exactly what they're doing, which is cool. And it seems like that's the best thing to do. But in actuality, the most, uh, the flips that are going to make you more profit, the ones that are going to provide more, I call it soul food for you in what you're doing, those are the ones where you provide your background into it. So example, like I lived in Hollywood for a while, basically Los Angeles uh, downtown, right? But I also worked in Hollywood and was on movie sets and whatnot, right? And so that knowledge I put into my flips and I'll do certain things that remind me of where I was, but also provide that little bit of, of oomph And so the right buyer gets triggered by that and they'll say, oh man, I like this house and I don't know why. And it's probably because I put an expensive, um, an expensive crystal light over the, uh, the vanity in the bathroom, right? Like not that expensive, but it, it provides some extra shine in the room and it's got a little bit of a glow to it or glistening. You know, those are things that, that catch the eye of a buyer and they say, ooh, this is different from what I've seen down the block. You know, I can't tell you how many uh, sliding barn doors I've seen in houses, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, the first six months of it, you go, oh, this is cool. All right. I can see what they do with this sliding barn door. But then you see it in every house and you go, man, I want something different. I want something that not everyone is already copied. So I think the important thing to keep you away from copying everyone else and getting everyone else's results in your sales is to put your own experience into it. So what I'm hearing is, um, the question I have from what you said is, it's easy for you to say, I had a cool life, I've done this and that, that I'm able to put in my flips. But there's people out there that are like, I know nothing about houses. I didn't, I didn't live in Hollywood. I didn't, I don't know how to work on plumbing in a house or just different things that you're very skilled. 
Uh. And you've lived um, you've lived a really adventurous life. <laughs> so how does somebody that's just like ah, oh, I don't I don't know I I don't know anything that that I have from my past that I could put into the this business. How how does somebody like that that is not as cool as you you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's that a really good question. Them? Yeah yeah for sure. So uh, it really is understanding that your life is valuable and unique and cool and interesting even though you may have people friends family whatever that say that you know it's not that exciting or maybe you think your life isn't that exciting but in actuality maybe what you're into is exactly what someone wants to see so example being someone who's really into gardening like loves it or maybe they're just they have a green thumb and they don't know why you know maybe in their flips not only is the uh, landscaping nice but they're the, they're the kind of people that put plants in the kitchen and they're the kind of plants that you can eat. You know, like a whole wall of plants. How cool is that? It's great for photos. It makes a difference between all the drab gray and white that we have these days. And it provides that soul food moment where you go, oh man, something that I like, I get to put it in here and somebody else that likes what I like is gonna be all over this. So yeah, I think there's something for everyone and that is them. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So I know there were certain points that we wanted to touch on uh, that doesn't really get discussed for people getting started. It's the parts that get really confusing when, you, when you're trying to start flipping. Yeah. So let's talk about how you find the deals to start off with. Yeah. Uh, well, I think a lot of people start the way I did. You start with calling up a realtor and um, and saying, hey, this is what I'm into. Can you help me find this? Uh, and, and then that person who's used to working with um, either with other investors or their, I would say find someone who's good with investing, definitely, mm-hmm. um, because they'll know what about you're looking for. And it's not the same as a retail, uh, retail purchase. So you want something where there's some room in it to add value and then sell it for a higher price later on. So uh, in our case, uh, I do work with a fantastic realtor. Her name is Jennifer Hamrick. <coughs> and uh, uh, not only does she help me negotiate for great rates on the purchases that I make, uh, but she helps get uh, great value on the back end as far as selling it too. So, uh, so I would say that's a great place to start. And uh, once you start with one, you find one that's good, then you keep working with them. And um, that's a good way to go. Next, I would say finding deals off of the MLS is your number one priority too. So you're working with a great realtor. Anything that comes from them, definitely take a look at it. They'll get you into houses. Uh, They'll give you market perspective and the numbers that help you do your job, as well as seeing what should be in the house when you're you're putting it together. Uh, Do I need seven bathrooms for this four-bedroom house? Probably not. Um, (laughs) Those kind of things will help you to stay on the right track, and uh, it's always good to keep the, the value in mind, the goal in mind when you're selling. But also, you need to look around your neighborhood or the place that you want to work. And that's a really good point too, is that where you choose to work is up to you. If you want to work on your own block, that's great. You're already there every day and you see where people are moving in and out of houses, uh, where, um, where things are changing, 
Maybe you know that that house down at the end of the block, no one's been in it for a while. You could go over there and ask, but like, hey, who, who owns this house? How do I get in touch with them? Maybe they moved away and they're, they're looking for someone like you to come and buy it from them and improve it and turn it around and, and improve the value and then make some money off of it. So um, that's great too. I would say it's all about who you know is your next step. Uh, and that's making networking connections. That's really um, focusing on the kind of partners that are already in that sphere. So an example being not only your realtor, but maybe your title attorney, or maybe your, um, when you find a general contractor that you'd like, and we'll talk about that later, but uh, those people run across properties quite a bit and it's not their profession to do anything with it. So in that circumstance, um, they may know someone who needs to sell a house or who would like to get out from under something and it's your opportunity to be there and help them. And they just wanna help you because you're helping them. That's huge, and it takes a little while to learn that, but I'm, I'm glad I can tell you now. One thing I want to add to uh, the importance of picking a realtor that works with investors is that during the negotiating process, investors normally come in lower than, than asking price. Yes. And I hear a lot that agents that are not used to that look at, the investor like they're crazy <laughs> and that can be be challenging and they if they don't understand how to work the numbers mm -hmm. that's where that comes in to be a problem yep so if you do have a realtor that's work that works and understands the numbers works with investors then it makes your life easier as an investor because they understand why you're offering a lot less for a house uh, then should, you know, then asking price. Yeah, it's a great point on that. Mm -hmm. Everybody, if you're an investor looking to flip that sort of thing, be upfront and honest with your real estate agent. Hey, say, listen, I'm looking to buy properties at this range. This is what I'm going for, and this is what they should sell for. So if you find anything like that, let me know. And then let mm -hmm. them do their thing. Mm -hmm. Don't try to get them to put in a low ball offer on something where it shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't make any sense. And it really, it wears out your agent is what it does. Cause mm -hmm. you make a number on a property and you say, I'd like to put in this offer. And that might take you an hour to come to that conclusion. But that's, that's a five to six hour process for an agent to go through all the levels of, of getting the tax records and uh, contacting uh, the seller's agent and uh, reviewing documents and then sending off. And so the amount of paperwork that's created can get a little wearing if you're doing that over and over and over again, especially if there's very little chance for success. So definitely know what you're going for both of you communicate well on it and then that way no one feels uh, like it's unnecessary because because it is necessary uh, but you need to talk that out first yeah. when a good agent should also be looking um, at other ways to find properties versus the MLS stuff that maybe hasn't hit the MLS yet mm -hmm. that that way it's not only retail pricing that you're looking at and that kind of helps too with submitting offers you know, lowballing offers. Yeah, yeah. Um, an agent with some experience is going to know how to find properties in multiple channels, and that's not something that that they're taught when they're going through classwork. 
Uh, it's not something that their broker necessarily does, uh, but if you find one that does, then, then it's kind of a culture of helping to find properties uh, in that direction. And then really, once you once they've found a few for you or found the first one, you know, it's about building that relationship and continuing. Like why, when it's something good, you might as well just keep rolling with it. Uh, another avenue that I use to find properties is wholesalers. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't know what that is, so I'll explain that. Often it's, it's much like purchasing, uh, you know, purchasing a refrigerator or, uh, or, um, or some clothing where you go, the price of this is XYZ where you see it on the store shelf, but in actuality you can get it for half off and then someone else took half of that. And so in real estate, you have some build-in with the pricing and a wholesaler is looking to get properties at deep discount so that they can resell that to someone who will then take it and run it all the way up to, to retail value by adding value to it. So uh, if you're having trouble finding properties on the MLS uh, or through your networking circles, uh, an opportunity uh, can be through wholesaling. Great. So you've gotten the house, mm -hmm. you found the house, yep. it's the one. Yeah. How do you fund it? <laughs> do you just have millions sitting in your bank account? Millions, <laughs> millions sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I will say that if you have millions, use millions. That sounds great. <laughs> Real estate investors looking for a quick close and no appraisals? reach out to Mike Brady at PropertyRecycle.com. They are a large private equity firm with that personal touch. Property Recycle offers an easy online application, no appraisal requirements, and can close within five days. Ditch your slow, expensive lender and get the money you need today. Call Mike Brady at 615-806-7500 Again, that is 615-806-7500 or visit propertyrecycle.com. If you're in the Nashville area, please join us for the monthly Middle Tennessee Investors and Wholesalers Network Happy Hour. Two hours of pure networking and deal making. You'll meet brand new investors and wholesalers all the way up to those that buy hotels. You can find more information and sign up on our website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com. Don't miss it. Networth Realty of Nashville is growing wealth in Tennessee by providing people across the Nashville metropolitan area with the tools and expertise they need to succeed in the residential real estate market. Their specialists understand the ins and outs of Nashville and are experts at locating undervalued properties in the city's most desirable neighborhoods. That's Networth Realty of Nashville, 615-823-2777. Uh, I say cash, cash, cash. Uh, if you have it in the account, do it. The reason why is that, you know, as we're making this podcast today, speaking specifically to people who are getting, who are new into the business or, uh, or who are thinking about it, and so you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that <laughs> just don't make any sense whatsoever. Your general contractor is going to help you out and catch a few things, but you're going to pick the wrong paint color. You're going to decide. Yes, yeah. you will. Yeah, you're, go <laughs> you're going to not realize how messy the neighbor's house is 
Uh, because you're so excited about yours, and your house will sit on the the um, on the market longer. You're gonna do. So then you have the cost of a fence. So then you have the cost <laughs> of a fence to cover up that neighbor, um, and so the and so if you are cash only on it, then a lot of those problems can kind of get smoothed out because what happens when you're using other people's money is you have to pay for it, and so. Uh, I find that it's incredible how financing, the cost of it, can be a silent profit killer, is what I like to call it. Um, even though you may watch television and you see that they get most upset about, oh man, we discovered asbestos, or oh no, there's a leak in the roof, it needs a new roof, what? That seems like the worst thing that could possibly happen. But you just try holding an empty house on the market for another four months, and how many financing payments you have to make and how many times the general contractor has to come back out and fix whatever it is because it's now a normal house that has no one in it. You know, it's, it's literally you're paying someone or you're doing it yourself to go and change out an air filter. You gotta go replace the battery in that smoke detector. You've got to uh, maybe service the, the septic system. All these things. And that... your agent staying on you about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all those things that need to be done it's so much easier to get that sold quickly and better for your first few if you can go all cash to go all cash now I understand that that's not normal for people most of us are looking to do this because we have some money in our pockets and we've heard it's great money and I agree it is and I love it and it is soul food to me almost all of it so in that situation, I would say get the le least expensive money you can find. And that's oftentimes friends and family. Uh, if you have a relative that says, hey, I've got some of this and I'd like to help you, I would say take that route. Um, make sure that they get paid first. So if it all goes uh, in a handbasket, at least they get their money, even if you don't get anything. So And that will help to build your build your strength your reserve your resolve and your reputation because this isn't a one-off thing you want to keep building so uh, that and then I would go um, uh, I would say we, we've done an episode about hard money uh, there's an option too I would also mix that in with an investor that would be a partner on a deal those are good you're gonna give up your equity in the deal so it would likely cost more than financing but you also don't have the time constraint and you do have someone who adds extra knowledge to to the situation so that's helpful and then finally you know if you can you know get a bank loan or a home equity line of credit people do that as well uh, some people do it on credit cards I would not recommend it because like I said you're gonna make mistakes and mistakes are less expensive if it's your own money very true have you ever lost money no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great question, and not yet. However, I, you know, it's at the end of the day, this is an investment, an investment vehicle, and there are times when, just like the stock market, you're going to lose a little money. Mm -hmm. You know, over over time, those those you'll make money, but uh, but no, I haven't lost any yet, just barely. And uh, I like that record, but I, I know that the best, the best flippers out there have lost money. Some of them, lots of it. 
And so I, I expect uh, at some point to be honored when I do lose a little money and I go, wow, okay, I guess this is, this is it. So yeah, now I'm getting good at it because I've seen both sides. Yeah. That's good though, because then you won't end up in a ball in the corner crying. <laughs> Gonna be ready. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So you've got the money, you've got the property. Next step, contractors. Contractors. That Yay! can be so challenging though. It can. It can. So what, how do you go about getting a good contractor and knowing that you can trust them and they're going to do what you need them to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's all about communication. So what you're looking for is a person who has not only their own experience, but maybe family or generational experience in construction. That's awesome. Someone who knows, like the back of their hand, exactly what's going on in that house because they've not only seen that house three or four times in that neighborhood, but their family has already worked on that house. They already know it, and they're they're really good at what they do. So that's the kind of general contractor you want. Specifically, for you want one who is quick, efficient, but does take the time to A, teach you about the business, and B, is considerate of your money. So uh, so you, I, I did, I, I went online when I first started, and I Googled, <laughs> to find in uh, general contractors. And I had, I must have interviewed five. Mm-hmm. Literally had three come out in one day. And it was amazing the range. Uh, one guy showed up in a minivan with family and kids in tow and a dog that just started walking around the place. <laughs> yeah, just just come on into my house. Whatever, it's fine, you know. Uh, had one that had a very nice uh, pickup truck like a super duty and had all the bells and whistles on it. And, and that was an expensive, <laughs> expensive estimate, you know? Um, and I had, had one that was more um, restoration in knowledge and preference. So the conversation with him was, uh, hey, I'd like to know how quickly you can get this done. And, and he said, well, you know, it depends. And I want to take my time and get it right and get it accurate for the time period. Those are things that you don't have time for as a brand new investor. Also, if you're trying to flip it, not live in it. Mm -hmm. And so even though it would be nice to match 1960s architecture perfectly and get it exactly how it was, uh, you know, you you need money. You don't necessarily need to make the best, uh, closest to period time period house on the block. You want something that is in and out as quickly as possible. So that, that wasn't a good fit. However, he would be a great fit if I were doing historic restorations. Mm-hmm. And I have to keep him, him in mind for that. So you need to know what's good for you and your project and speak that out with your general contractor um, before things get started. I also say, um, you know, get things in writing. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful. Uh, and know what their estimate is, um, what time frame they expect. And then have some, hey, if this doesn't get completed in this time frame, what kind of penalties are built in here? Or if they're not penalties, then what kind of bonuses are built in for getting it done on time and under budget? Mm -hmm. And I think once you make that clear right off the bat, then there's no room for hurt feelings later on because each of you knew what it was going to be. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, 
or, or don't don't get it confused a general contractor that's got lots of experience is going to put in there hey if you don't pay us within 30 days or 60 days, whatever it is it's gonna cost you an extra 10% a month like they know mm -hmm. so you might as well have that as an investor because it's your craft and it's your money so mm -hmm. uh, so make that up front so I know I've seen you on projects, obviously, um, and I know you like to go out to the projects, oversee what's going on, even take on a couple of things yourself, like uh, maybe demo. You like demo. Love it. So, uh, but what, what, where's the line for working with a contractor to where you're not stepping on their toes, um, but you're still overseeing the project? Mm-hmm. Where's that line drawn? It is, it is a fluid line. However, it depends on, on the two people involved. Okay. So some general contractors do want you to have input in it. Like, mm -hmm. hey, come out, see what's going on, make sure we're on task. Their job is to interpret your vision in the most safe, efficient, and cost-effective way. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. In order to get your vision constantly, they need to know, is this, is this the right direction? Is this what we're putting in here? Does this make sense? And so you need to be there, especially for the first, I'd say, handful of them. You know? And then after that, they know your general vision, and they know who you are. And if you want to mix it up, change something different, then just say so. Um, I would say, for the first few, you need to know that decisions that you've made actually make sense. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, because you've just because you've made a decision on a paint color like we said earlier or or um, or a countertop decision or something like that it may not look right and you need to know right away so you can fix it before it's three weeks down the road and all the appliances are in so we can't remove XYZ without ripping everything out again so or before the whole house is painted that color or before the whole house is painted that color <laughs> yeah yeah we uh, we caught one uh, when they first got started and it was wonderful so only only a third of the house is painted the wrong color yeah i think that's our episode with uh chris larkins so. he talked about that too yeah, yeah. it happens often mm -hmm. he's a he's a developer like it's he does this for for neighborhoods so uh so yeah it can happen and it will and that's why i said if you can fund it yourself do it i know you touched on permits earlier a little bit but is that something you normally handle yourself, or is that something you rely on the contractor for? I normally rely on the contractor for that. Okay. Um, they've gone through the classes, they've got the experience. Um, they are licensed, bonded, and insured. Make sure of those things, and especially the license part, you can find that out on, on the website, uh, uh, yeah, whatever your state you're working in with. I guess the Secretary of State's office would have that. Um, <clears throat> And you want to know that that's for sure, and then they have the ability to do those things. Mm -hmm. And they'll let you know which permits need to be pulled at what times and so forth. So the whole purpose of this episode, Wyatt, was to get people started. So what kind of tips do you have for people that want to become a flipper? Like, just to sum it up, what yeah, we talked about. Sure. Tips-wise, start off small. Uh, the easier the flip, the better. Mostly uh, because you don't have... When you're getting started... Uh, you don't have the, the knowledge base to deal with something that's 100 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those houses can surprise you and take a lot longer than you think. Basically, 
I would say start with anything within the last 50 years if you can. Mm -hmm. 50, 40 years. If you can get something that was built in the last 20, you're golden. Mm -hmm. Like literally you just got to go in, replace the flooring, uh, maybe replace a door or two. Windows are not going to be that bad at all. The roof's going to probably be okay. Maybe you have to replace the HVAC or something like that. But other than that, you know, you know, three, four weeks and you're in and out, done. New paint, get it over with. New appliances. And that's really wonderful because, like I said, you're learning and you don't want to get to a situation where you've got to replace entire, um, uh, entire portions of a house. And even though everyone wants to knock down a wall, there's a big, there's a big change in a house when you do that. <laughs> Yes. that A takes time and then B you have to go is this useful because if I knock down this wall then I might have to change where the air conditioning duct comes in if I add a bedroom then I have to decide where does the window go well and don't knock down anything without talking to your contractor not even cabinets you never know if they might be worth something. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I did. I, uh, I destroyed some cabinets on my second flip uh, that were just, they were nice. They were classy. And I found out later on that it could have been about five or $600 worth of cabinets. Uh, maybe more if we'd removed them calmly and carefully and just, you know, sold them to someone. People were buying that stuff. So that's a really good point. Yeah. The cabinets looked like that they had like this... Uh, stainless steel band around the edge and the writing looked like a nice car from the 50s and, and all that stuff and I just I was like ah it's fine I love this I love destroying things let's destroy it all you know. <laughs> so, um, gosh yeah start off small um, know that it's not going to be perfect mm -hmm. and that's okay because the house itself is not going to be perfect. And, uh, and especially if you're doing houses older than 1960 or heck, even with new construction these days, walls are not always plumb. Right. That was something that my mom always taught me when we were, we were working on things together. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, hey, the house is old. Things are going to settle. Stuff is going to be different. Mm -hmm. you got to work with it. New construction you know, they got to work with the land. They got to work with the, maybe the wood came from the factory, you know, bent or something. Mm -hmm. uh, so give yourself some time. Give yourself a break. Ask, uh, learn. If you can get a mentor, I highly recommend it. Who can they call for that? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> well, I do have a mentoring uh, program and I have uh, a few mentees in it. And we look at properties on a regular basis we analyze them, uh, and I will take you through all the steps of finding the property, finding the financing, finding the general contractor, and then I will even see you through the process because, well, you need somebody that's uh, that's been there before. So, uh, by all means, let me know. The contact information is on the website. And I want to let everyone know that on August 14th, you're hearing it right here, I'll be starting a brand new YouTube channel called Investor's Playbook. And we'll talk about flips and investing in real estate in the sense of short videos uh, that'll give you the information you need right on time. And uh, looking forward to it. So Investor's Playbook, that'll be in about two weeks. You'll hear some more about that. And look forward on YouTube. Um, I was talking to a mentee the other day about, here's, here's a homework assignment for everybody listening. If you want to get into flipping, or even if you want to know more about houses, 
look at houses in your own neighborhood and look at the way the architecture is designed. And I say that because by looking at the architecture of the building, you'll know not only what each house should look like in that neighborhood, but what portions of that architecture are beginning to fail over 50 or 60 or 70 years. And you'll know that every if this house has that problem, then likely the other house has that problem. Mm. People don't think of it that way with, um, with houses, but it's the same thing as cars and... Um, uh, and you know appliances that sort of thing computers over time the same thing that breaks in this car that gets recalled is the same thing that's going to break in the next car that gets that doesn't you know that gets recalled and so a house has a lot of those same things especially if a builder built 75 homes all at one time you know over the course of a year they're going to have the same issues that happen and so once you know that once you see it oh man it's it's priceless and you'll know because you'll know exactly what it costs to fix that how exactly how long it'll take and before you know it you are an expert at your neighborhood so check out the architecture it's free just walk down the street look it is all around you and then you're guess what you're already going to start seeing deals because you see houses that look a little vacant grass that isn't cut bushes that are a little too long <laughs> and you're on your way and before you know it, deals will just be falling from the sky. That's true. Yep. That's how it happened for us. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, Wyatt, thank you so much again for being in the spotlight today. <laughs> uh, I think we learned a lot from you. And, uh, you know, contact Wyatt if you want any more information about flipping. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Jennifer. of Corkscrews and Contracts. Podcast copyright 2019.